Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. I am pumped to be back here today and back by popular demand. I got Dynasty Dad with me. How you doing, man? I'm excited to be back on here. You know, it's like home away from home. I always love chopping it up with you. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's a bit of a weird part of the offseason at this point in time. The redraft folks are kind of just getting back into it. A lot of 2023 projections are going on. Most of the rookie drafts are over. What do you like to do with your teams during this time of the offseason? Are you assessing? Are you trading a lot? What are you doing? So this is like the one time of the year where I really just try not to overreact. You know, you don't want to underreact from camp news. I try to really, especially with Scott Fishbowl and things like that, really about to kick off. I try to, this is my least amount of time trading, period. Like I'm still looking every day. I'm still trying to make my team a little bit better. But I just see way too much of people trying to trade to finish their lineups right now. You know, they just sit there and we're in June. There's no reason to go out there and give your 24 first for Derrick Henry to fill up your starting lineup, you know? So I'm just trying to make minor trades. I'm trying to, you know, pick up the guys that I think are, are starting. They're a little bit under the radar. That's one thing I know you and I do, you know, better than most is start to identify some of those sleepers, those guys that are going to eventually, once you see those catches in OTAs, they're going to move up in value. And I, I think we, we have to assess that. We have to make those small trades, but I don't make a lot right now. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm just small moves here and there trying to fine tune things. And I, I wait a little bit and I see when, when that big catch happens at OT. It's filthy. I'm going to see what I can get more than what he's already at. Cause we already know what he is. Yeah. You know, there's so many guys, we know what they're going to be, but then you see a camp buzz and everyone starts jumping around. Yeah, for sure. And that can happen in the reverse as well. Everyone remembers the Jamar Chase drop saga before he obviously came out and proved to be dominant. Um, We're going to get to the OTAs, talk about some of the things that are going on, but more importantly, talk about how we approach the offseason coach speak and various fluctuations in the market. Mm -hmm. Um, What I do that's a little bit different in the offseason is I take basically a team a day and I spend a day just looking at my team being mm-hmm. honest with myself, looking at the rest of the league and saying, let's get a clear direction, especially for the teams that don't already have that. A lot of times it's not filling out a lineup. A lot of times it's more like just shifting around the pieces like you were talking about, really making sure you know what you want to do heading into September. Um, but there has been some news recently, and I feel like especially recently with free agency with some of the vets and the way the teams are getting smarter managing their cap, there's a lot of veterans available later in the free agency market. I mean, just at the running back position, we have Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott. These players are going to be massively shifting the landscape. Um, but before we get to those running backs and especially the Dalvin Cook news, I wanted to talk about the wide receiver on the market that has a lot of uh, impact on what be, might be going on in the fantasy landscape, and that is DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he is currently visiting a whole bunch of teams. He was in New England today. Uh, he was in Tennessee. I know there was all of that Kansas City and Buffalo rumors. So starting off just from a DeAndre Hopkins perspective, how are you valuing him right now? And is there a place you want to see him land for his value to shoot up or vice versa? Yeah, that's a great question. Like right now, looking at Bulletproof ADP, he's wide receiver 38, you know, and I think that's that's kind of in that general area you want to see him go. And if we're talking absolute startup values, you know, he's going slightly after Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk, Amari Cooper, Hollywood Brown. You could argue that he's going to, as soon as he signs, he's going to jump a few of those guys. I think that's something that, that definitely happens um, with that buzz. You know, right now, I'm not buying a lot of DeAndre Hopkins. You know, like I'm looking, I'm trying to wait and see. And I know that's that's not my normal approach. Normally I'd be like, I was buying in January and February because the writing was on the wall, right? Like there's a lot of times in Dynasty, we can, we can predict what's going to happen. We know that DeAndre Hopkins is going to get moved. So even on rebuilding teams, I was buying DeAndre Hopkins. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of people selling for a pair of seconds, uh, you know, 201 to 202. Maybe I'm I'm not paying any firsts at all for him. But I think there's a range of outcomes that's going to happen. And and right now, I don't think New England lets him leave. You know, like I think New England is a spot where originally we wanted Buffalo, we wanted KC, right? Those are the teams where you're like just instantly – if you had DeAndre Hopkins, you could flip him for a 24 first if he goes to either of them. And I feel like that would be the right play. you know. But DeAndre Hopkins, when you look at it a little bit closer, 
You know, he has ties, obviously, to Bill O'Brien. If you looked what he did over his career when Bill O'Brien was the coach with the Texans, you know, from his second year, 76 receptions, 1,200 yards, you know, you just go the whole way down, 111 receptions, 78, 96, 115, 104, every single year, you know, between 1,500, 1,100 to 1,500 yards, and in that 7 to 13 touchdowns. So he was an absolute beast when he was there, not saying that he's going to get to that same level. I think DeAndre Hopkins now is more of a back-end wide receiver one for redraft, maybe a, a mid-wide receiver two for the for those purposes. But I'm starting to really like the New England landing spot if that happens. I think they are really in search of – New England doesn't want to retool. You know, They're in that spot where they, they need to make Mac Jones work. Mac Jones needs wide receivers to make that happen. And I don't think Juju's that guy. I think Juju's going to – you know, is one of the cheaper options out there in Dynasty. But I think if DeAndre Hopkins goes to Houston, you could see very easily in 90 reception, 1,100 yeah. yards, six touchdowns. And he, but people aren't going to like it, right? I mean, as soon as he lands in New England, they're not going to think it's a good spot. No, his dynasty value will go down if he lands in New England. And I get it from some perspective, right? They're only going to throw for 4,000 or so yards. They are yeah. a run first team. Their defense is projected to be a top three defense in the NFL next year. New England's overall point total, according to Vegas, is in the bottom five of the league. So yep. that might change a little bit with Hopkins. But the thing is, is he is a perfect fit for Mac Jones. I think he would walk into, you know, eight to 10 targets a week, get to that 100 catch season. But the thing with DeAndre Hopkins is he hasn't been the same player in the last few seasons. Mm -hmm. So 2019 and 2020, he was averaging 18 points a game. The last two years, he's only at 15 and a half points a game. He has had some injury issues over that time as well as the yeah. suspension. So I am seeing people look at Hopkins as kind of you have the Tyree kill, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams. And some people are viewing Hopkins as just kind of a half tier below those guys. I think that's incorrect. You look at what Cooper Cup, you look at what Cooper Cup's done in the last, you know, two years. He's averaged over 22 points a game. You look at what Tyree Kill's done, averaging over 19 and a half points a game. These guys are in different tiers. So I view mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins as more like a Mike Evans plus at this point, where yeah. he is 31 years old. I expect him to be kind of a high-end wide receiver too, but I don't see no matter the landing spot, kind of that peak wide receiver one season from Hopkins. Um, the other place that's interesting that people are talking about is Tennessee. Do, do mm -hmm. you see the fit there as well? So Tennessee, just like you were talking about there, and, and just to go backtrack a little bit, I mean, DeAndre yeah. Hopkins did obviously had the injury. You know, you have Kyler Murray was out, so it was a lot of, a lot of downplay on there. But I, I'm with you. You know, I think DeAndre Hopkins – is a guy that you're gonna you're gonna want to sell for a 24 first as soon as you can, and yeah. I think given the right landing spot, you will be able to do that. Um, I'm looking at Tennessee, and you look at last year. You know they are as far as looking at yardage, third worst in the NFL as as passing yardage. You know third lowest in or second lowest in in pass attempts. You know or no third, yeah. So they're like right there at those bottom five. The interesting thing with Tennessee is this year, I do not think they're going to compete. You know, they're going to be in an area where they're going to have a lot of negative game script. That's why I like Traylon Burke so much is it was he was going to be the wide receiver one there and they're going to be playing from behind a lot. You know, and I think there's a lot of growing pains there. I like him better in New England. But again, I think Ryan Tannehill puts up better fantasy points than than Mac Jones in the right situation. So I don't love either spot, but I think I'm, I'm starting to grow a little bit on it. I, I think Tennessee would be better for. And I know a lot of people are really on the other side of this, but I think DeAndre Hopkins going to Tennessee would be better for Traylon Burke's career, not his 2023, but to learn from a you know an alpha wide receiver to not be covered by that number one and to get those secondary looks on an offense that that's going to have to throw the ball a lot more. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's a similar. I mean, you look at Mac Jones's stats in his career; he's averaged. 220 yards a game passing Ryan Tannehill in the last four years has averaged 220 passing yards a game. So yeah. it's similar offenses. Obviously that's not a huge number. You need, you know, 40% of those yards to even get to a, you know, 80 yard game. So mm -hmm. it's not, it's not going to be easy in either of these locations, but I do like Deandre Hopkins as a buy for some of these contending teams. Um, personally, I think I have Hopkins lower than some others do. Uh, just mm -hmm. because he's 31 and I don't like investing in these depreciating assets, but I'm comfortable buying him for, you know, 
let's say two seconds if you know that your team is going to be a contender. Yeah, right now I'm as my wide receiver. 38 right there in that same area as Mike Evans, you know, and, and until he lands somewhere else. I mean, I think we've, we've discounted Mike Evans too much. You know, we're trying to move him down and, and him and him and Hopkins have both had phenomenal careers, but you look at it, Mike Evans has just been rock solid and I, you haven't really seen a lot of a downplay there. My question for you there is if Mac Jones gets DeAndre Hopkins, Mac Jones is someone in dynasty right now where it's like, you're not going to get a first you're lucky. Yeah with what you can get. I, I personally look at him as a guy that I'm just using him as capital to move up, to tear up to another quarterback. Yep. I have him as my QB 26. If DeAndre Hopkins goes there, I mean, is this a, a Mac Jones is a make or break type year for him. Yeah. My, my difficulty with Mac Jones and I have him as my QB 28. Um, the issue with Mac Jones is what's the upside, right? If, if you say there's a 50, 50 shot, he keeps the job after this year. You're looking at a 50% chance you have a dead asset and a 50% mm-hmm. chance you have a pass first, zero running quarterback on a team that prioritizes rushing and defense. Even if they get Hopkins, he's going to be 32 next year. How high mm-hmm. can you look at Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, that range of quarterback who have had six, seventh round ADP? I don't see Mac Jones getting above that, right? Even after Derek Carr's like near MVP season, he was going in the fourth, fifth round of startups. So I'm fine with Mac Jones as my QB three in a lot of situations, but just like you, he's a guy I'm looking to use to tear up even to a guy like a Geno Smith or a Jared Goff or a Kirk Cousins, or ideally to go all the way up, throw a first and another wide receiver and try to get myself to Dak Prescott or something like that. I love that because I was even saying that in the Patreon today. I was like, if Mac Jones gets DeAndre Hopkins at a 24 second to get to Geno, Jordan Love, Jared Goff, and if you can, you know, move yourself up into that Dak Prescott area who's just way too cheap. Yeah, because sometimes you just have to look at this logically and you have to say, all right, who's going to be better this year, Kirk Cousins or Mac Jones? It's going to be Kirk Cousins. Who's more likely to have a job in 2024? Kirk Cousins. So if we're playing on this two-year window and you only have to give a small plus, especially when we know there's not that much long-term upside from Mac, I'm I'm totally on board with doing that. By the way, this is a little bit of a uh, buyer beware for a guy like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. We're talking about Mac Jones after only two years where he's been in a tough situation. He looked good his first year, less good his second year. He's not a Russian quarterback. And look at the discussion we just had about his value. That's that's a little bit concerning when you look at some of these young, non-running quarterbacks. That's um, the biggest difference with Richardson. I mean, you know he's yep. going to have that rushing floor and has a, a you know Justin Fields-type ceiling. But those other two guys, the weapons there, I mean, I think people are get excited during rookie draft time, right? Yep. And we're like, oh, yeah, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, both of them are going to you know be fantastic. And then you start looking at the weapons again a little bit closer, and you're like, hopefully they get some help next year. You know, like yeah. – it's going to be some growing pains, that's for sure. I mean, you look at some of these. We- I, I went by and I actually ranked all 32 weapon groups in the NFL. Um, and God, the Panthers are just so bad. Like Adam yeah. Thielen was one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL last year. DJ Chark yeah. as well. Like you have absolutely nothing there. They added Hayden Hurst and he's supposed to be their like big receiving option. Like none of this is going to be good for CJ Stroud uh, or Bryce Young for that matter year one. Um, let's move on to talk about Dalvin cook and Alexander Madison and all the shakeup from there. So Dalvin cook was cut currently. He's yet to sign with the team. We'll get to him in a second, but I want to talk about Alexander Madison, kind of the hot topic this week. You and I both did threads on Madison and we kind of looked at it from different perspectives, which I always Mm -hmm. think is interesting. What did you find when you were putting together this thread on Madison and, and where do you kind of value him at this point? Just to give an idea, um, he's currently valued at about the running back 18, running back 20, depending where you look. Um, And he's currently going off the board in about, what is that, the eighth round in startup drafts. Um, So that's, that's his current value right now. Wow. And I, I mean, that's even climbed up even more. I mean, we, he was going in that round in that same area as, you know, where in the last week where you saw, I mean, people are taking him over Devin A. Chain because of, you know, uh, potential rumors, Aaron Jones, Cam Akers, you know, there's a lot of good players there. As far as the threat, I mean, everyone's looking at his six career starts, you know, like if you look at that small sample size and for me, 
small sample sizes are very risky, right? Like there is that reward there where you look at someone's small sample size and they were able to, you, everyone tries to extrapolate and see what that looks like. Alexander Madison in six career starts, 693 yards, five touchdowns, 4.1 yards per carry, almost 80 rushing yards. I mean, you look at that and you're like, okay, this is a scenario where this is a guy that they, they're saying all the right things, right? They want him to be the three down back. They want those things to happen. And when he played, I mean, we look at 24 touches a game, four receptions. He was a, he was an RB one, you know? Yep. And I, I think you have one thing that I've been looking at a, a little bit closer was, you know, how does a player like that with the draft capital that he had, how is he going to perform? You know, is this a guy that we can trust based off that small sample size? And for me, I'm all about process over results. This is someone that does not have a great, you know, speed score in the 39th percentile, his 40s in the 26th percentile, his agility score. All those things are a little bit on the lower end when you start to look at it. You look at his his yards per carry, again, not not all that elite. And I just like to look at, what can I get for him in that area? You know, and I saw straight up trades that I saw recently, the 201 for Alexander Madison. I saw, you know, you can get a 24, a, a couple leagues. I saw him going for 24 first, 25 first, Joe yeah. Mixon straight up. And for me, it's not a matter of that I don't like Alexander Madison. I put him as a dynasty sell for me. It's not that I don't like him as a player because he, he has some flashes here and there. But for me, it's like, okay, if I can get, like we talked about, you know, with the the Mac Jones versus Kirk Cousins, these running backs we're going to talk about are in a one to two year window because let's be honest, the Vikings could easily replace, you know, it, the contract that Alexander Madison has, the draft capital, they could replace him easily. So if I can yeah. get Joe Mixon for Alexander Madison, where I know Joe Mixon is going to be a borderline RB one, I'm all for that because we're playing in those one to two year windows. If I'm a rebuilding team. I'm going to package a second on top of Alexander Madison and try to get a, a wide receiver that I like in that that's in that, you know, in that fourth, fifth tier and try to move that way. I'm, I'm, and I saw your thread too. And I love it because we were both kind of like doing going through and, and trying to break things down there at the same time. Yeah. So I, I looked at things. Um, I tried to go deep because I, I, as soon as it happened, I was like, God, Alexander Madison's a massive sell. This is ridiculous. These values are out of whack. And sometimes I just have to check myself and just be like, you know, take a step back. Let's go into this without any bias. So I really dug deep. Statistically, Madison's been perfectly average. Basically, any metric you look at, he's been around the 50th percentile. The only above average characteristics you look at are his missed tackles forced. But when you look at his corresponding explosive run rates and yards per carry, it seems clear that he's forcing people to miss tackles because he can't outrun them and he has mm -hmm. below average vision. Um, you know, if you compare his expected points addings per rush, his rushing yards over expected, all of these numbers are below average. You look at his yards before contact on runs, it was about half a yard worse than Dalvin Cook consistently, which basically shows that, you know, he is not having as much vision and not making people miss without being contacted. And then I went back and I watched every single touch that he had from those six games he started, as you referenced. And it basically came out that, listen, he's fine. He can churn the ball. Um, he has relatively soft hands, but every single one of his targets was below, was before 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. He didn't get a single downfield target. It was all screens. It was all dump offs. And you can't just look at what his um, stats were in the game that Dalvin Cook missed because when you're going into a season where, okay, I have two running backs. If the first one misses games, now I only have one running back. That's not what's mm -hmm. happening this season. This season, you're going into it and they're saying, okay, Madison might be the 1A in the committee, but we have two other backs. So you can't expect him to get the 85% workload that he was getting in those prior games. And if you look at the Vikings, they are a pass-first team. They do not throw to the running backs nearly as much as you would think. I mean, in the last two seasons, the, in total, the Vikings running backs have only put up 20 points a game. So I currently have Madison projected to get around 12 or 13 of those. That puts him as a low-end RB2 on that RB3 border. And to mm -hmm. me, I am not investing in a player like that who has zero uh, prospect pedigree, zero long-term job security. He could be replaced well before then. I mean, I would not be surprised if he is the one C in a committee by week five. So... At this point, I have Madison as a sell. 
guys like Isaiah Pacheco, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, like you were saying, I would prefer to him just because I expect him to have a far better 2023, and I'm not expecting much security going into 2024 from Madison. Um, So I think we we land in a similar place there. Yeah, and we had that. I mean, everyone wants to compare him to things like Kareem Hunt in 2020. He had the, or, or Tony Pollard in 2021. But then you look at what he was doing as a backup, you know, Kareem Hunt was getting 40% of the carries. Last year, Tony Pollard, 31.7% of the carries. Madison, only 18%. So you have to realize, like, they know what they have. You know, like, if, if they thought he was better than Dalvin Cook, we were going to see a lot more of a realistic 60-40 split, right? But we weren't. We were seeing an 80-20 split where a lot of people are down on Dalvin Cook and his metrics, but still – Alexander Madison was not taken over, you know, and I think the other thing we talked about that, that tear up method, methodology, man, my brain is just, it's not working today. Um, and you, some of the, some of the trades, they're just insane where you were yeah. able to, to do things like, I mean, a couple guys in our Patreon, we were able to get, give Alexander Madison and DJ Moore for JSN. Ooh. You know, there's another one where it's Madison, Calvin Ridley and Derek Carr for Devonta Smith, you know, and it's like, if you can use him, as like I said with Mac Jones, you use a player like this that you don't necessarily believe in, but you use him as a tradable asset, a a piece of currency to tear yourself up to make yourself a better team. I think that's just the process over results. Where yes, Alexander Madison could have a fine season, but I'm not banking on it. Yeah, and I've been adding a second to get in two separate deals: Tony Pollard and Javante Williams with Alexander that's Madison. Good. You can target the Quentin Johnstons, the Jordan Addisons, the Jerry Judys of the world. Um, there's a lot you can do with a guy who doesn't project to have elite ceiling either this year or in the future. Um, let's talk about Dalvin Cook, though, because like you mentioned, a lot of people are down on Dalvin Cook's metrics. And as part of my research into Madison, I did look at Dalvin Cook's metrics. They have been falling off an absolute mm-hmm. cliff. So let's talk about his rushing yards over expected, which is a stat that I really like. It incorporates offensive line play. 2019, it was 0.4. 2020, it was 0.02. 2021, negative 0.06. So basically, he went from good to average to average. And then last year, negative 0.75. He was the worst running back in the league who got the number of carries he received. Really, it was him and Leonard Fournette at the bottom of that list. He was absolutely terrible, and the tape match backs that up a lot. Now, he wasn't healthy. He had these shoulder issues. Apparently, he's healthy now. Dalvin Cook was cut because he wasn't good, and he was owed $10.4 million. He was not cut because they think Alexander Madison is a stud that they have to give the ball to. And all reports are saying that Dalvin Cook is seeking around $10 million now. He is seeking the number one role in any offense he goes into. He said he mm-hmm. is not accepting the Jamal Williams, David Montgomery contracts of, you know, four to five million a year. So where do you think Dalvin Cook could land? And do you think he gets a number one role making seven, eight million bucks somewhere? It seems insane to me. It does not feel like this is an area where, I mean, you look at Dalvin Cook's field of work and and six seasons there. I mean, he almost 6,000 yards, 47 touchdowns, four-time pro bowler. And he, he doesn't quite look the same, you know, and and we, you were covering that quite a bit. Um, I I think he's kind of in that area where he just wants too much. You know, he's going to be in a, in a situation where he's going to have to settle for me. I mean, obviously the number one landing spot is Miami. I think a lot of people have already thought that that's a foregone conclusion. Um, I do think he would have a little bit of a resurgence there in Miami. The biggest takeaway for that for me is, man, has Devin A-Chain become cheap, like way too cheap, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're almost, again, we talk about in Dynasty all the time, like people double counting things. Even if Dalvin Cook comes to Miami, Devin A-Chain was, was due for a Tony Pollard type role anyways because of his size. So that was more of a, I wasn't trying to go on a tangent there, but I've just been trying to scoop him up everywhere because he was going for a late First, you look at ADP right now, he's starting to slip into that, you know, early to mid-second some places, and that blows my mind. Um, there aren't a ton of teams. You look at Denver, you look at Dallas, uh, you look at Buffalo, Arizona, you know, and I, I don't necessarily love any of it. You know, Miami's the one where I think he gets an uptick. If he goes to Miami, he is worth a first again. And I think right now he, you can't get a 24 first. If he goes to Miami, just like DeAndre Hopkins, if DeAndre Hopkins goes to KC, flipping for a first process over results. 
Same thing here with Dalvin Cook, where I, I think he's going to have some nice weeks. It's going to be attached to volume, though. And Miami feels like that ideal spot for me. Denver has already said that they're not interested. You know, I think yep. Denver's going to roll with with Samaje Pirine and think Javante, you know, bounces back there. New Orleans is another spot. But again, they already have three guys until Kamara gets suspended. So much and, like and, and they don't have the money. I mean, there's no yeah. way that New Orleans is going to be able to give him 10 million after they gave, you know, that middle range contract to Jabal Williams this offseason. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see a great fit for him. Like I know Miami's the hot spot, just like you. I've been buying up at chain everywhere. I think he's a great buy right now. The issue with Dalvin Cook in Miami is he's just not that fast anymore. And he doesn't really have the explosive ability that he had in seasons past. Um, And you look at some of the other options like, you know, Dallas or Buffalo or the Jets, he's not the RB1 in any of those spots. I mean, maybe in Buffalo he is, but that's going to be a split role. Like he's not a better receiver than James Cook, and he's not a better goal linebacker than Damian Harris. Like Dalvin Cook only got a first down on 69% of his rushes um, on short yardage uh, last season. Compare that to 80% for Alexander Madison, just as a point of comparison. I think Dalvin Cook, like maybe he goes Tampa was the spot to me where they don't have a running back there. They have the second lowest cap right now. So the second most cap space right now, I could see him going to a place like Tampa and just destroying Rashad White's value. But I hate it. <laughs> most places he goes, I'm going to be buying whoever the incumbent running back is, and I'm going to yeah. be selling Dalvin Cook because I don't think he's got much left in the tank. And I could see him being benched by, you know, week six or seven because he doesn't have that Ezekiel Elliott, you know, cachet of being a cow- lifelong cowboy or whatever it is. So any team that gets him, I don't think he's going to get 10 mil, and I don't think they're going to have a problem benching him. Yeah, I mean, you said Dallas, and Dallas almost, the more I think about it, doesn't seem like, you know, Tony Pollard is not going to be an absolute bell cow no matter what, and that would be a decent fit, but again, it's not going to do a ton for his value. Miami, literally the only one to me that seems like it would give you an immediate uptick, you know, and we we all just try to find those landing spots. Everybody's talking KC, this or that, you know, and it's just like, again, just use that as, use that information when it becomes available to you and move him, but I have a lot of Dalvin Cook shares. You know, you weren't able to sell them in the offseason. Now yeah. is not the time to sell them either. I'm seeing people selling them for late seconds, and it's like, hold on. You know, wait. now is not the time. You need to wait on these kind of guys. When they when there's negative news in the offseason, it's never time to sell. It's wait yep. until you get some kind of positive news. Him getting cut, obviously, you know, some people were buying up right away because they assumed Miami. Wait to see where he lands, then see what you can do with him. Yeah, and and moving on to talk about the rest of the situation in Minnesota, we talked about Madison. Do you have any interest in guys like Ty Chandler and Dwayne McBride? Well, man, this is it's an interesting situation after him, right? I mean, I think McBride's interesting at least. I don't think he ends up being the guy right off the bat. People loved him as a prospect. So for for those who don't know, Dwayne McBride was a seventh round pick. Some people had him in their top five of dynasty running backs entering the draft. He was in that kind of morass with Evans and Abanacanda and Chase Mm -hmm. Brown and all these guys, which just draft capital dependent. And obviously basically none of them got it, but people were high on Dwayne McBride projecting him in kind of the third round range going into the draft. And he just fell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what he did in college, I mean, he was, 1,700 rushing yards, 155.7 a game, 7.35 per carry. That was first in all of college football, second in rushing touchdowns. So there's talent there, you know, as opposed to when you look at Ty Chandler, a lot of people thinking Nene and Wongu, they're trying to pick up. Everybody's just trying to figure out who that is. For me, and a a lot of the reason why I still have not moved Alexander Madison up very high in my rankings is I still feel like Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Zeke, they're all out there. Minnesota wants to win, right? So I believe they do bring in someone, and I don't think any of these other backups. I'm sure they're lottery tickets, right? So if I have a taxi spot available and I'm in the late third round, early fourth round, I think McBride's worth a shot. And yeah, I'll put Tyler Chandler, you know, Ty Chandler in a spot where he's. I always want to fill my benches with these kind of players, right? Because if they get an opportunity, they could put up points as opposed to some of those roster cloggers you have for your wide receivers who are your wide receiver eight, nine, and 10 that just are never going to sniff your roster. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a perfect transition into a question I've been getting a lot. It is startup season. Um, by the way, one quick note before we get there. Ty Chandler is four years older than Dwayne McBride. He's already 25 years old. So the long-term value probably isn't there. Listen, if you haven't done anything till you're 25, you're probably not going to do anything. Not going to um, So a lot of people asking me in startups, you know, we get to round 15 or later, what type of guys are you targeting in this range? You just mentioned that you want to target backup running backs. You don't want to have roster cloggers. How do you identify who a roster clogger is and how do you identify a player that can actually boost your, the depth of your team and the potential value of your team when we're talking, you know, round 15 and later. So the top wide receivers are all off the board. The top running backs are all off the board. You know, Nico Collins was just picked. Chase Claypool was just picked. There is no one left who you ever would want to start. So who are you drafting in these ranges? Yeah, I think a lot of people really start to, they start to pick up the Kayshawn Boutes, the Romeo Dobbs, the Mm -hmm. Michael Wilsons, the DJ Charks. And when I'm past that, so I like to really build my team and you and I did some really awesome like startup strategy pods where we talked about moving up to get my my quarterbacks two of them in the first two rounds make sure I get my wide receivers in rounds three through six you know and then you're pounding the running backs in round seven eight nine with some of those guys that fall I personally am I, I'm looking there in round 15 and I'm like if I got to choose between Romeo Dobbs and Samaj P. Ryan I would much rather have a guy that's going to make my lineup mm-hmm. you know like if I start Romeo Dobbs I am not in a position that I should be playing fantasy football. No. You know, like I want to, I want a situation where, you know, right now Devin Singletary, uh, Samaj P. Ryan are going in the fifteenth round. You know, like in, instead of players, like I said, of 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 those other wide receivers, you look at a guy like Jalen Warren. I like to take those high upside lottery tickets because if Jalen Warren ends up starting for Najee Harris he's going to be an RB two, you know, he's yeah. going to get the volume as opposed to an Isaiah Hodgins or a Curtis Samuel or Xavier Hutchinson, all these guys that we start talking about. If I have to start those wide receivers, I am hurting. But if you get a guy that has a, a potential chance, Jerome Ford is another one I absolutely love. Me too. You know, um, some of these running backs really got a chance to hit. And I think when they do, even if you're a lot of people say, yeah, they're like, dad, I, I'm in a rebuild. Like I, I'm building this team up. I'm doing a year one punt. Like, who do I want here? And they'll be like, do I take Tyquan Thornton or do I take, you know, in that area of Jalen Warren and Jerome Ford? And I'm like, I'm taking the I'm taking the running backs, even because I think that there's an opportunity at some point a contender would give me a better pick than what Thornton's going to be, in my opinion. And some people like him. Maybe that's not the best example. But in that range, I don't like to pick up wide receivers late. The other thing I like to do really late is once you get rounds 18, 19, is where I'm taking I'm taking the Mike Whites, the Gardner Minshews, yep. the 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 Tyler Huntleys, because everyone else is sitting there, they're picking up Greg Dortch and Elijah Higgins and you know, just guys that are going to do nothing for your team, as opposed to we talked we saw it last year with how many different quarterbacks where they get a start and they're worth something. I mean, I was even getting third round picks for Colt McCoy in the right time because he was a starter. And I'm not saying get like 10 of these guys, but you look at the high upside guys, the guys that have an opportunity to come in there and, and start. And like I said, I mean, Minshew, Mike White is, is one of my most priority backup quarterbacks because yeah. of, because of Tua's situation, because of what we saw he's able to do from a fantasy perspective and the weapons he has. I mean, I would much rather take a risk on guys like that. Yeah. And you're saying don't necessarily get 10 of these guys. I'm saying go get 10 of these guys because we're just taking random shots out there. We have no idea. Like, yeah, Tua is more likely to get hurt than your average quarterback. But Mm. regardless, you should just take shots, aim for youth, aim for potential to actually lock down a job. But Mm. all I'm looking for in the 16th round or later is players who could eventually get me a second round pick in a trade. By, let's be honest, managers who don't really know what they're doing, because mm-hmm. that's what you got to be targeting, because that's the only way to build up value in those rounds. So a few other guys with ADPs that are really late that I like that you didn't mention, 
Zamir White is a guy I'm interested yeah. in. Josh Jacobs, he, Zamir White's basically in the Madison position where Jacobs is getting the entire workload. But if he goes down, Zamir White's essentially their only option. Keontae Ingram in a similar position behind James Conner, um, where he gets almost all the work and gets injured all the time. Malik Davis is going in the 24th round of startups, and he is right That's now insane. the backup for one of the best uh, offenses in the NFL behind a player who is not going to get a huge workload in Tony Pollard. These types of guys are the ones I'm targeting. And like you're saying, it's the roster clogging wide receivers. The reason this exists is because you have to be looking at contingent upside, right? Where if the starter gets hurt or gets traded or something happens, you could potentially be getting value there. There is no contingent upside to a guy like McColl Hardman, right? We've seen McCole yeah. Hardman with no wide receivers around him. It doesn't matter if Travis Kelsey gets hurt. McCole Hardman's never going to do anything. Same goes for Zay Jones if Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley get hurt. Same goes mm-hmm. for, you know, if if Stephon Diggs gets hurt, Khalil Shakir is still not going to be in your starting lineup. Although right. maybe maybe there's an exception there. I did actually have Buffalo and Gabe Davis as an exception for a wide receiver with contingent upside. But for the most part, it just doesn't exist at the wide receiver position. So like you, I'm targeting running backs. I'm targeting quarterbacks. Um, there are some athletic tight ends that are going pretty late that I'm interested in. Um, Jake mm-hmm. Ferguson's a guy who had a lot of offseason hype early in the offseason who I'm interested in. Jelani Woods mm-hmm. is a guy who I've gotten in almost all of my startups this offseason in the 16th Damn. round or so. He's basically the starting tight end in Indianapolis in a scheme that uh, hypothetically he could get that Dallas Goddard role. So that's something I'm interested in. Um, Tucker Crafts, the other guy going in the late rounds that I'm interested in there. But basically, I want to get six or so starting level wide receivers in the first 13 rounds and then just yeah. avoid it for the rest of the draft. I love it. We Scott Connor came on Smash Except the other day. Uh, and we, we just talked about the, our philosophy with that. You know, it's like a matter of just pound the table, get those wide receivers early. You know, if you look at the rosters, I know I've seen a ton of your rosters in mine. It's like we're getting those elite level wide receivers and the running back position turns over so much. That's why we're talking about picking these lottery guys. I found over the years, it's like I was losing to guys. I had these amazing looking rosters, right? And then I, Christian McCaffrey would go down to injury. And, you know, like a guy would end up starting Rashad Penny. A guy would start, you know, Latavius Murray and all these uh, Samaj P. Ryan. And I would lose to guys like that. Yep. And it's like, okay, how do we fix that? And the way you fix that is you, you, you know, you aren't investing in those running backs early. You're getting those wide receivers. And then you have all these lottery tickets. You keep your draft capital so you can buy them. You have those lottery tickets, and it puts you in a position where you can do that. A couple guys that I actually – I love what you were talking about with the tight ends there because there's like rounds 15 to 19. There's so many guys in there where that's going to give you some upside. You know, the Isaiah Likely's, the Mike Gusecki's, you know, they even – there's some guys in there, Kate Otten that just are going to play for you as opposed to those wide receivers. And then the quarterbacks that I almost forgot in there, you know, like I think Marcus Mariota makes great sense really late. He's going in round 23 right now because he's backing up, especially as a Jalen Hurts owner. You know, you can see him in the Eagles offense putting up some some points for sure. Bailey Zappi, you know, there's guys that are in those range that you just, hey, what's the worst thing that can happen is you you cut those guys, but you feel a lot less – you know, we have so many, it's that Nico Collins disease, you know, yeah. right now he, he's ascending right now where I would flip him, but we have that guy where Denzel Mims is another guy that comes up, right? You kept him on your team for what, five years, you know, and he just sat there and he just became a roster clogger. There was no way you were ever going to start him. Fill up that roster with those running backs at the end. Yeah. And I just went back and looked at last year, top 12 running backs in week 17. So this is championship week. Six of them were Raheem Mostert, Jamal Williams, Jarek McKinnon, Corderell yeah. Patterson, Jamichael Hasty, and Tyler Algier. That is six of the top 12 from championship week. For comparison at wide receiver, you have Richie James in the top 12 and the only, and the second to worst top 12 wideout was Brandon Ayuk. Like, yeah. The wideouts are going to produce like the best wideouts are going to produce the best running backs. You can get lucky with some backups. Like you're talking about the Rashad Penny. Alexander Madison is the perfect example from previous years where Mm -hmm. you just start him when Dalvin cook was out. And you can do that with most running backs and they get hurt a lot more than wideouts. 
Um, and that's when I liked Alexander Madison's value, same. right? Like we, yeah. we last year, we would have been like, okay, cool. And like, I think what you said was great about Zamir White, you know, yeah. because you have a situation here where, I mean, Josh Jacobs, either he, he's on the, the franchise tag this year, but he's likely out of there next year, you know, and that's a scenario where if the Raiders aren't good, hey, it could pan out where you get the two for one kind of deal. Yeah, by Isaiah Spiller too. These guys are not only could they take yeah. over in case there's an injury, but there is some potential for dynasty hype around them if that happens, given their age and pedigree. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned Nico Collins, and that's another good segue um, into what we started the pod talking about, which was OTAs and just general offseason practices, training camp, all this hype. This is perfect, you know. YouTube, uh, leaping catch, contested catch season. Uh, there's no pads right now, so there's very little to see from the running backs. It's basically uh, only wide receivers who are making an impact right now. So I wanted to talk to you first just philosophically about offseason and what do you care about when you're reading these beat reports about this guy looks good, this guy's in the best shape of his life, you know, this tight end is going to be their number one receiving tight end. What type of um, information do you care about from beat reports mm -hmm. and from highlight tapes and what do you just ignore? Right now, the the information that's most pertinent to me is the guys that have had injuries before that we're starting mm -hmm. to see some things pop up. Hollywood Brown, you know, Rashad Bateman right now, they're not healthy. Mm -hmm. What has been their problem in the past? They haven't been healthy. So those kind of things are more important to me than a random beat writer saying, you know, this guy's getting work in, in the OTAs. This guy, you know, looks like someone who could emerge from there. I try not to double count it. You know, like we talk about with the combine and things like that, yeah. where if a guy is coming in there and he's doing exactly what we think or he's making catches just like we think, that's great. You know, I like to look at things like Quentin Johnston right now. The biggest knock when you and I were talking about him during the draft process was, you know, concentration drops, body catching. Everything you see from him is he's, he's you know, working on his hands catching. He's trying to do some things there. And I, I try to focus in on the little things like that, you know, like I don't want to double count things, but at the same time, you don't want to not pay attention at all. Yeah, of course. And I, I, the way that I look at it is like, this is basically the beginning of a relationship, right? It's, it's a new season. Everyone's doing their best, right? Everyone's doing exactly what they should be doing. Quentin Johnson's mm -hmm. practicing on these hand catches, right? Sky Moore is getting a lot of targets because he's getting this offseason hype. Nico Collins is number one wide out in Houston. There's so much optimism right now. You rarely hear any negatives. So like you, I'm paying attention to the negatives or even the lack of positives. And a lot of that mm -hmm. is from an injury perspective. The only real takeaways that I actually get from this period are usage takeaways. So you actually can get some sense of both what type of systems a team's going to be running, especially if they have a first-time coordinator or some type of change there. And secondly, mm -hmm. who is their who is their tight end one? Who is their starting slot receiver? Things like that are very important to me. So for instance, in Kansas City, Sky Moore has been getting almost 100% of the slot snaps with Patrick Mahomes. Kadarius mm -hmm. Tony is splitting snaps out wide. What that tells me is that Sky Moore is likely the number one option at the, in the slot, which is very important. Mm -hmm. I do not care that Sky Moore caught five out of five passes without pads on. That means nothing to me. But the fact that he might start the season as a slot, that's important to me. Um, things like Puka Nakua, right? One of the favorite late round guys. He's getting mm -hmm. action as the potential number three wide out. Um, in LA. That is important to me. But in general, mm -hmm. like you, I am not interested in most of these. You know, there was a lot of Christian Watson hype the other day because he had like three contested catches. I love Christian yeah. Watson. I don't care what he's doing in practice, right? I got to see yeah. him last season. So like you, I'm trying to avoid double counting and focus on what are the act actionable items that we're actually receiving that might translate to Sunday once we get to the fall. Yeah, and I think part of we, – we talk about it a lot on Smash Accept and, you know, a thread I just put out there on the rules and how you go about things. For me, it's methodology of, you know, I'm looking at year after year, what did I do right, what did I do wrong, and how can I get better? And, and I know we've talked about that quite a bit, but it's like guys like Puka, I've saw people selling – getting second-round picks for Ooh. 2024. Do it. Just yeah. like it, if you drafted him in the fourth – there's a reason, right? The draft, he has good size and versatility. He's, you know, he's a physical guy, but is he going to be worth what's in that 24 class? Absolutely not. Yeah. So now's the time where, same with Nico Collins. If I can give up Nico Collins and even 24 third and get a second out of it, I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to make these moves where 
we know process over results. This is something that happens every year. So I'm going to move off of a guy like that. And I'm going to try to try to move it. Sky Moore is an interesting one because man, I don't have any shares and I know you were huge on him last year. It's just a matter of like, someone's got to be that guy. We say it every single year. Kadarius Tony is, is someone that's very difficult to sell. I think you, but I think you could get Sky Moore plus for Kadarius Tony right now. You know, like I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I do too. And I do have Sky Moore ranked a tier higher than Kadarius Tony. Sorry, I keep looking over to my right because I just put up my uh, my big board over there. So I'm able to actually check it out. Um, but Nico Collins is a guy I actually want to talk about. And I'm biased. Uh, I, I am. I did go to Michigan. I'm a big Michigan fan. Nico mm-hmm. Collins has some very interesting metrics um, that I think are definitely worth paying attention to. And someone has to catch the ball in Houston and they have absolutely nothing there. They actually ranked last in terms of my weapon rankings um, that I had mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. So you look at a guy like Nico Collins and Matt Harmon put out his reception perception uh, earlier today with Nico Collins, 64th percentile against man, 74th percentile against press, a lot of mm-hmm. good potential breakout signs for Nico Collins. So while I agree that his mold is typical of a roster clogger, um, he's a guy that I would take a shot on in that, you know, 15th round. That being said, if you're getting a random second for him, I would, I would take that at this point in time. Um, moving on, let's, let's hit it. Let's go to the last segment, um, which are positional battles. So there's a lot to say on all these battles. Let's try to keep it relatively rapid fire. Um, these are players, two players who are on the same team, play the same position. What I want you to tell me is essentially who would you rather have at cost, who you think's going to win the battle. You know, not all of these are exactly the same who has higher upside. Just tell me who you want out of these two guys. And then we'll try to keep it to, you know, a minute or so for each of these. All right. So I think the first. Go ahead. Yeah, the first one on there is the most difficult one. Right? I know. That's I know. why everybody messages me all the time on Smash, except they're like, is it Lance or Purdy? And wow, right? Like, it is Purdy's going to cost you a mid second. Lance, it depends on what you're going to. I've seen him go all over the place. Some people still, I've never seen such a stance on a guy who's not necessarily the starter yeah. at, at cost. You know, I've seen some people still paying 105. Sorry, I'm out on that. You know, I, I think if I, I got, I'm not going to invest in either, but if I have to, I'm going to take Purdy on the cheap. I think Lance has the upside, but I still think there's so many people out there that are, are the truthers, the Lance truthers that I've never seen before, where we haven't really seen what he's able to do. And now we're going into an area where, you know, I'm, it, it, he has to do it this year. And it's just the coach speak doesn't speak positively for me. So I'm sorry. To my co-host Mung, that's at FFA underscore Mung. He's the man, but like I can't advocate going out there and buying Trey Lance unless you're in a rebuild situation where yes, he has the most potential to rise in value out of that one. I didn't mean to steal your thunder and jump over there. No, I just no. saw that the first one on the docket, and it's like those are the guys that it's so hard. I mean, it's definitely the highest leverage one. I'm actually going Trey Lance here. Uh, I think there's a decent chance both of them start week one um, and that there's a trade upcoming. Um, There's been a lot of talk that both have been impressive in the offseason. Obviously, that's just coach speak. To me, I'm worried about Purdy basically falling into the Mac Jones issue. And not only that, he might not start week one. He's coming off this injury. He's got zero long-term job security. Obviously, Lance Mm -hmm. does either, but I'm going to bet on that upside. I recently got him at the 6-7 turn in a startup. And for me, I would just rather take that upside over a guy like, you know, Kirk Cousins or Kenny Pickett. Um, Yep, for sure. Next one's another quarterback battle. And for this one, tell me, this is uh, Ryan Tannehill versus Will Levis. What week do you think Will Levis first starts? Eight. Week eight. We're, we're in that eight to 10 area. And is that you know, when I, the I, Titans are one in seven? One, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, I think Ryan Tannehill has just become a crazy value in your startups. Me too. Like everyone's taking your, they're taking the quarterbacks that are starters and then they're letting him fall multiple rounds later. Like I'm not talking, I mean, you know, you start to get those guys in that QB 31 to 32 range. And then Will Levis is going in the ninth round. And then you look where, you know, a lot of times Tannehill's falling to rounds 14, 15, 16, you know, and I'm like, at that point, he's worth it. You know, he's worth that, that area. I think Will Levis is going to get a chance this year though. They have to. You know, like they are in a position where, in my estimation, are going to be a bottom five team. Yeah. And they're going to be they're going to have the the ability to take one of these 
elite quarterbacks that are coming out. You know, I'd, maybe it's Caleb, but at least it could be Drake May. There's a lot of quarterbacks in there where they have to see what they have in Will Levis. And I think Will Levis, it, it will be an interesting – I feel like he's a project for sure. You know, we know that going in. So I'll take Tannehill super cheap. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, you can still get the Titans under seven and a half wins in Vegas. That's one of my favorite bets right now. Not that this is a betting podcast. Um, I'm also taking Will Levis there, although I like the value on both. Ryan Tannehill is the last starting quarterback going off the board in startups. He's going after Baker Mayfield, um, Mm -hmm. after Jimmy Garoppolo, who might not even be on the team. So definitely going Levis there. Um, Next one is a bit of a three-way uh, Khalil Herbert versus Roshan Johnson versus Deontay Foreman. Um, to give you an idea of where these guys are going, uh, Khalil Herbert is going in the 12th round. Roshan Johnson is also going in the 12th round. And Deontay Foreman is kind of that 17th, 18th round pick. Who, who are you taking here? I'm going to take oh – man, this, this is a difficult one as well, but I'm going to take Khalil Herbert. I think he showed some flashes when he got the opportunities uh, last year. Even when he was working with David Montgomery in the starts that he did have, he showed some serious flashes as opposed to, I think Roshan Johnson is a nice secondary piece, but might not even be the RB2 there. I think Foreman definitely will have a role, but I think Khalil Herbert is the guy that, that has the most upside there. Yeah, I agree. For this year, I think Khalil Herbert has the most upside. I probably prefer Roshan Johnson in Dynasty by a tiny amount, but Khalil Herbert's been an excellent running back for the last two seasons. 3.3 yards after contact per attempt, which is in the top five in the NFL. Um, This next one is not the same position, but it's a battle nonetheless, just because the Atlanta Falcons never throw the football, but when they do, it's going to be either Drake London or Kyle Pitts. So, who do you think is a better value? Who do you think is going to have a better 2023? Can I say both? Like, I want them both too, right? Yeah, like, and I for think sure. that uh, the idea here is that I think Desmond Ritter becomes somewhat viable because of these two guys. Pitts should be your tight end one. You know, I love Mark Andrews and I love Kelsey, and they're in that same tier. London has, believe it or not, fallen way considerably behind where Chris Olave was. And you yep. look at the only one of, you know, I believe six guys to have a PFF grade above 80 and a target share over 24 over the last 10 years. And Drake London now is a full round below where Chris Olave is and two rounds below where Garrett Wilson is. And I think the play there for me is almost like you can get Drake London in a first for Garrett Wilson right now, which is crazy to me, right? Just one year separated. And I, the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons is not for the future, for next year. He's not on the team right now. I don't think Desmond Ritter is that guy, but I think I'm investing in London at the value just because of the way I build my teams. I don't usually have elite young tight ends. I wait and I get the Travis Kelseys. I get Darren Waller on the cheap. I get those type of players. In, and is usually how I build my teams. Yeah, and that makes sense. Drake London second in targets per route run last year. Um, he was 11th in yards per route run. A lot of that had to, the difference had to do with the quarterback play sucking. Um, when they were both on the field, Kyle Pitts had a 27% target share. Drake London had a 25% target share. I expect them to combine for 55% again. I was talking to a friend the other day about do you think that the two of those guys in Bijan Robinson can combine for 70% target share? I think it's more yeah. like 60 to 65 if you give Bijan that, you know, 13 to 15%. But either way, this offense is cl- clearly going to run between uh, the three of those guys. Um, when I th- the offense has to get a what? At least a 15 to 10 to 15% uptick in pass attempts. Like when Ritter took over, Mariota, let's be honest, they were, they were running a low scale offense where they were running a ton. And then when Ritter took over, you look and you see Drake London really, and Kyle Pitts was out there too. So it's not a fair comparison, but he started to really get an uptick in targets and yards and, and started to put it all together. Yeah, and Mariota was getting about six and a half carries a game. Uh, Desmond Ritter, only four carries a game. So that does make some difference. Um, Next one we want to talk about is Deontay Johnson versus George Pickens. Both of these guys are going essentially back-to-back in startups. Uh, Which one do you prefer? Uh, I'm going to smash Deontay Johnson. I think Deontay Johnson really... I look at the two and I, I, I put out threads on both. Deontay Johnson's a buy for me and Pickens is a sell. And I think you can get Deontay Johnson plus four Pickens. And I think Pickens just, if you look at his reception perception, a lot of, a lot of red flags in there. You look at Deontay Johnson, who's just been peppered with targets over his career. You look at the 
you know, obviously last year it broke the record 147 targets with zero touchdowns. The previous record was 110. If he were able to get, he averages six and a half touchdowns a season. If he got to that, he would have been wide receiver 14. You know, so I think Deontay Johnson is a volume guy. He's a, think Jarvis Landry of the past, but that's that has its purpose as a great wide receiver three, where I think Pickens is a sell for me right now. Yeah, Deontay Johnson only averaged 10 and a half fantasy points a game last year. His expected fantasy points a game was almost 15. The 4.3 points per game difference was double the next highest wide receivers, which were Allen Robinson and Marquise Brown. So a lot of positive regression to come for Deontay Johnson. He'd be my pick there as well. Uh, next let's move on to a bit of a different one. Uh, I was trying to get a little creative here. Rashad Bateman or Odell Beckham, both players coming off of injuries. Obviously Rashad Bateman is, you know, five times more valuable in dynasty, but let's just look towards 2023. Who do you think has a better year? I think Bateman has a better year. I think Bateman at this point, Odell Beckham, I think is all of the answers in Baltimore are making Lamar Jackson a better quarterback right I think Lamar Jackson is going to explode this year I think he's going to have a you know top three top four type season and I think Bateman if healthy right I was already talking about he's already feels a little bit banged up there like for him it's just been about health he has round one draft capital if he gets it done this year he's going to increase in value quite a bit so I'm going with him but if he comes in that situation where this would have been his third year again another injury year he's almost in that spot where you just can't sell him Yeah, absolutely. And there were only four games last year for Odell Beckham out of 13 games where he got more than 40 receiving yards. Um, Mm -hmm. I went back to look at his game log and accidentally looked at 2014 and I was like, holy shit, this guy's good. Uh, But he is not 2014 Odell Beckham anymore. I'm taking Rashad Bateman as well. Let's move on to the age old debate in San Francisco of Brandon Ayuk versus Debo Samuel. Um, Let's talk about it from a dynasty perspective, because I think the age difference adds a little bit there. Debo's about two years older. Who are you taking in that case? Debo has more value right now, but I'm taking Ayuk. Ayuk, again, I know we keep talking about Matt Harmon, but his reception perception, like Brandon Ayuk, talent-wise, is a top 10 to 15 wide receiver in this league, like his actual skill set. He is, I believe, a free agent at the end of the year. So there's going to have to be a decision to be made. And if Brandon Ayuk goes to the right situation, San Francisco is not it, right? There's not a a ton of volume there. Um, Debo Samuel, again, like we keep talking about all these, Debo was on my sell list. Ayuk is on my buy list. I would, and I think you can get Ayuk plus for Debo, but that window is starting to close. Yep. Both guys are sells for me. Has more to do about the situation in San Francisco. Too many mouths to Mm -hmm. feed without a good quarterback. I know they have Kyle Shanahan, but they're both pretty heavy sells for me. Um, this next one, uh, we, we got three more wide receivers left than three tight end battles. Uh, Tyler Lockett versus Jackson Smith, the Jigba, obviously just from a 2023 perspective, we can throw DK Metcalf in there as well. But how do you think this wide receiver situation shakes out in Seattle? Lockett is not going away. No. You know, like everybody, he's too cheap in dynasty. He's not going away. I think those two kind of cannibalize each other a little bit. I want to see JSN really come in and and come in strong, but I think Debo's going to or DK is going to do his thing. It, I think all three of them sl- come down just slightly. You know, I think again, like we talked about before, this is a Geno Smith tweet. You know, like this is where yeah. we're okay. Geno is increasing in value, but I don't see this as a good thing for all three of them. Yeah, I, I think that's very well said. I don't have a lot to add there, except you got to go out and buy Geno Smith. I think DK Metcalf is actually harmed the most by the Jackson Smith, the Jigba mm-hmm. draft pick. Um, this next one is one that I absolutely love. These guys are basically back-to-back in Dynasty. Uh, uh, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. Calvin Ridley's been rising recently. He now actually goes, just checking now, almost two around and a half above Christian Kirk. You can get a 24 first for Calvin Ridley. Not to tip my hand, but I think that's absolutely insane. Are you going to Ridley or Kirk in Dynasty? Well, I'm selling Ridley for any 24 first. Like, honestly, you look at the guy. I mean, he's going to be what? By the time you look at it into next year, we're talking about selling for a 24 first. He's going to be 29 this year in season. He'll be 30 next year. And everyone, he's been off of football. I mean, yeah, we're looking at some you were looking at a lot of things on Twitter where you're seeing videos of him looking fast and doing this and that. But Kirk was the wide receiver one last year. He was a wide receiver one. I believe he finished wide receiver 11 last year. And I don't think that's just going to go away. He's the security blanket. So I think there's going to be a lot of people really disappointed 
in investing in Calvin Ridley this year. Yep, completely agree. I mean, Christian Kirk was excellent last year. We know that receivers typically drop off between 30 to 40% when they go to a new team. And this is only looking at receivers coming off a 700 plus yard season the year before. Obviously, Calvin Ridley hasn't played in two years, so that doesn't really apply. But we do know the type of player he can be. I'm taking Christian Kirk over Ridley. You can get something on top as well. Um, mm-hmm. last wide receiver battle. And this is not necessarily a positional battle. They play different wide receiver positions, but do you prefer Alec Pierce or Josh Downs? And who do you think Anthony Richardson prioritizes? Give me Josh Downs. I think Alec Pierce is a replaceable type player. And Josh Downs fell way too far in the draft. I think he actually fell to a position that's going to be favorable for him. And, and yeah, that's that's an easy one for me. Yep, me too. We were talking about some of these roster cloggers. I think Alec Pierce is the perfect example. Um, Let's move on to talk about Luke Musgrave versus Tucker Craft. Two rookie tight ends in Green Bay. Musgrave went about a round higher than him um, in uh, the NFL draft, and he's going basically two rounds above him, or at least a round and a half in rookie drafts. Um, Who are you taking, let's say, add value in for 2023? which, Which tight end do you think does better? Both answers, Luke Musgrave. I think more size, more speed, and he has better receiving abilities from what I've seen. You know, and I, I would definitely invest that way. I don't see much of a difference of like where you're at with it with Craft. I don't own many shares at all. Yeah, I actually got to swing the other way, and I like when we disagree because it rarely happens. I love <laughs> right. It hasn't happened once yet. No, we were like going through all these this. Is the guys. first time. I love, I love Tucker Craft at value. I think he will have okay. a better 2023. I think he's more pro ready. He's not coming off an injury. He is a better pass blocker, so I think you'll see the field more often. Um, I do value Musgrave higher in dynasty, but Tucker Craft is one of my biggest dynasty buys right now. Um, going in, you know, the 20th plus round in startups. Um, another one, we got two left Luke Schoonmaker versus Jake Ferguson. Now this is a tight end battle that might not sound like it matters. Cause who the hell are these guys? But we know Dallas loves throwing at tight ends and they don't really care how good that tight end is. As we saw with Dalton Schultz getting 80 plus catches. So which of these tight ends are you prioritizing? I love myself some turd Ferguson. (laughs) Ferguson. I mean, Dalton Schultz, when you look at his profile is not elite in any any no. special area. And I think Ferguson is in line for very similar to that. So I'm taking him. I think long-term Shoemaker might, might pass him up, but I think Ferguson for the foreseeable future is the guy that I'm investing in. Yeah. And the one thing to note is that Luke Schoonmaker is 24 already. He turns 25 in September. Um, he was not a high producer at Michigan um, for various reasons. Michigan doesn't like passing the ball a whole lot, but I like Jake Ferguson at cost, um, but I'm buying both of these tight ends. It's, you know, for a third round pick, you can basically get both of them. Um, and then you're just getting whatever 80 catches end up in Dallas. So I'm happy buying both of these guys. Um, last one, I got to end with the Patriots one. We got Mike Gesicki versus Hunter Henry. I can tell you at the Patriots offseason trading, there has been a ton of hype about Mike Gesicki. Um, They both might see the field a lot because Gesicki might mm-hmm. play some slot. Um, with Juju as well. But who do you see here? First of all, do you care about either of these guys? Are you trying to pick one yes. up as like a low-end tight end? Or what are you thinking? I, I'm i a Penn State guy, the athletic freak, Mike Gusecki. Just, I think if we get him in the right situation, and I think this is it, right? We've wanted to see him. He is... His his measurables are off the charts. You know, he's someone that I think if you told me that he caught 10 touchdowns this year, I would not be shocked. You know, like Hunter Henry is a nice, solid, all-around tight end, but he has never really, aside from, we wanted him to pan out when, when he was with the Chargers. It never happened. Mike Gusecki has all the tools to be a guy that, you know, could could he be a back-end tight end one this year? I think he could. Yeah, I mean, and just as a reminder, in 2021, so just a year ago, Hunter Henry did have nine touchdown catches for the Patriots. So we know the role is there in New England. Um, I'm taking Gasicki for the upside as well. He's not 28 yet. He's in the 95th percentile or above on basically every athletic metric. His closest comp Mm -hmm. is Vernon Davis, who we know is the biggest athletic freak we've ever seen at tight end. Um, other than maybe Kyle Pitts. So yeah, I'm going Gasicki there as well. I actually just looked at my board and see I have Hunter Henry above him. So I'm going to go make that change uh, in just a minute here. Uh, So thanks for confirming that for me. 
Um, I love doing those kind of things. And right now, I mean, you look, Mike Gusecki's going at a tight end 24 off the board. In perspective, that's going after Schoonmaker and Dawson Knox, who like literally just got absolute competition, you know, in, in Dalton Kincaid, who we, we both love. And it's just like, he's too cheap. Gusecki's going around 17, 18, and that just feels like good value. Yeah, I will say I don't have a ton of Gasicki because he does go before uh, Jelani Woods and guys mm-hmm. like Irv Smith and Gerald Everett, who I like more. But when just yeah. comparing those two, I, I am going Gasicki. I'm really glad you brought up Dawson Knox because we couldn't go through a podcast, the two of us, without mentioning Dalton Kincaid at least once. That is the contract, so I'm glad we were able to accomplish that in the final minute. They're starting to drop off. I'm seeing people messaging me in my Patreon. They're like, hey, who are you taking here? Um, you know, would you take... Tank Bisbee or, or Dalton Kincaid because he fell to 204. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Like, why Why is the hype disappeared on, on Dalton Kincaid? Like, it's overcorrected. I have, I so have no shares. idea. And he's getting good reports it. out of OTAs as well. Kincaid is now going in the mid-seventh of tight end premium leagues and startups. I'm still taking him in the mid-fifth. I think y'all are just losing the plot right now. Dalton Kincaid is an absolute stud. Um, Before we sign off here, obviously, if people have been listening to me in the past, I assume they know who you are. But for some of the newer listeners, why don't you tell me some of the great work you've been doing? Yeah, I mean, like I said, you can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. No underscore. Okay, just Dynasty Dad FF. Uh, Patreon's really been blowing up. You know, if you guys want to g- come in there, I mean, obviously we have all of my rankings. We put all of the the value charts, a lot of trade talk all the time. You know, we have all of our buys, our sells, pretty much everything in the offseason. This Garrett Wilson jersey, we're, we're giving away right now an autographed Garrett Wilson jersey for Father's Day. Um, just a great community to be a part of. And I, I'm loving that aspect of it. You know, I love talking to you guys on Twitter the Patreon is just a different level. You know, the community that we've built over at Smash Accept, I absolutely am, am thrilled to be a part of. And then we have two podcasts now, both Smash Accept and our Smasher Pass podcast. Got to give a shout out to our co-hosts at FF Snoog, uh, di- at Dynasty underscore Trades and at FF underscore, FFA underscore Mung. So, you know, check us out. We're always recording every Tuesday, live stream and recording and putting out two pods a week. Yeah, and definitely want to back that up, especially about the Patreon and the Discord. One thing I definitely admire about your patrons is it's just just a great group of people. Like for any group of online strangers who don't know each other to not have conflict and to not have all the crap that goes on online, which I think you've done a great job of cultivating, um, definitely very impressive and a great place to be. So check that out. Uh, check out Dynasty Dad on Twitter. This has been the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. Y'all know where you can follow me. Um, and we'll be back uh, early next week uh, for some more Dynasty content.